Are you an REI member? I am. Do you shop often at REI? Do you have an independent specialty outdoor retailer that you prefer? It's funny, the way people think about independent retail versus REI and the idea of a big box is really fascinating. There's some emotional components there. There are practical components components there. And we are going to unpack these today on the AJ Podcast. Welcome. I am Stephen Casimiro. I am your host, and my co-host is Justin Hausman. Morning, Justin. How's it going? How's it going, everybody out there, listener land? So REI, boy, you know, they are the, um, is it 800-pound gorilla? I think, I think it's 800-pound. I yeah. looked it up one time because I wanted to fact-check the media. I'm like, it's, <laughs> I'm pretty all sure right. it is. I think it's 800-pound. <laughs> You're talking about the 600-pound, the 500-pound, the 752-pound, <laughs> the 800-pound gorilla. It's like when they do it Sounds the, like a lot, a pound. It sounds like a lot, right? And they, you know, when some iceberg breaks off of Antarctica, they quickly go running. And I, I've often wondered if like the wire services and the New York Times, if they have this, okay, if it's X square miles or hectares or whatever it is, then it's the size of Manhattan or it's the <laughs> right. size of Brooklyn or whatever it may be. There's got to be like, a, they have, they keep a spreadsheet for when those things break off. It's the size of Rhode Island. Is it a large boulder the size of a small boulder? You know, you got to factor that in. You do have to factor that in. So um, REI is a large boulder, the size of a large boulder, and approximately the size of an 800-pound gorilla in the outdoor space. It is a dominant retail presence, as we know, and um, it's fascinating to to look at, uh, at how people feel and how people have these debates about independent retail versus REI. And it, I, it's an ongoing thing, and I, I just got to thinking about it recently because... REI actually opened a store near me. I no longer have to drive to Tustin, which is about 45 minutes on a good day to go to an REI. In South Orange County, California, there is no general outdoor specialty retailer. There's there's surf shops, there's bike shops, but there's no general outdoor. And so having an REI that's now 20 minutes away is kind of a big deal. So I went and checked it out this week, and I, I walked in, I'm like... Yeah, it's an REI. <laughs> they all look the same. They all have the same layout. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of discouraged to see that. I mean, it's REI is, I think, to a great extent, the, you know, the Costco of outdoor. You know, you buy a membership, you get a discount, and they're dependable and they're reliable. So, uh, where, yeah. where is it? Where, where, where in Orange County is it, the new one? Uh, well, it's right off the freeway. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know if it would be considered El Toro, Mission Viejo. It's its this area. It was, I knew that they were building it, and it was kind of a strange spot. It's its sort of back kind of behind a Trader Joe's. There's this <laughs> dead mall that they've been working on forever. I don't really know what they're doing. And so I figured that they might make the REI kind of a, a, an anchor of that. They didn't. They actually buried it. So I'm I'm a little dubious about the prospects hmm. for it because it feels a little hidden and that particular freeway interchange has a lot of traffic. So I don't know, but I'm stoked. I'm stoked that it's there. You know, there's, yeah. uh, it's great to be able to, to run, um, and, and get stuff, but you know, an REI, I mean, maybe the flagship makes you feel this way in, in Seattle, but I, you, know, you go into REI and I always kind of feel, um, 
both a little inspired and a little let down. Did, hmm. did you feel that way when you I, go I to love your... I love going to my REI. I mean, I I'm curious to see hear why you feel let down, but so there is an REI probably about, I don't know, five miles away from me, I suppose. And my oddly enough, uh, my orthodontist is like three doors down from it. And so every month when I go, well, I don't go every month anymore, but when I was going every month, I'd always do the orthodontist and I go to REI like every single time. Um, and I, I mean, I don't really buy anything there. I don't really need to, but I just like going in. Um, it's kind of like a surf shop to me. Like I, it's, I have a hard time walking past one without going inside. So I don't know. I feel like it in some ways, I always feel inspired. It feels like it, it feels like weirdly like that little tiny bit of going into REI scratches at the tiniest itch I might have that day for like, oh, I wish I could go camping. So, well, I'll go REI, play with some stuff. I'll, you know, I'll flip through some guidebooks, see if there's any new tents to check out or whatever. You know, um, I never go into the apparel section. I don't care about that. But I, uh, in mine, it, apparel and the shoes are all upstairs and everything else is downstairs. So I just kind of lurk downstairs see what the bikes are on offer. I spent a lot of time looking at the cargo boxes and like this stuff for your car. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't go past an RAI without wanting to go inside. So I, I, I always feel inspired. I feel the same, but I have, I have mixed feelings and I think it goes to, it, it speaks to our expectations and our desires or, or our hunger around retail. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, clearly retail has changed i mean it's changed so dramatically in the online era but the outdoor industry is also changing too and that's changing our expectations around retail what retail can and should be so i, I mean maybe a, a good jumping off point is to sort of look backwards to the beginnings right. a little bit so rei started as a co-op it started when this climber couple couldn't find a good quality ice axe and they decided to create a way for people to get good quality gear um kind of coincidentally that's how backcountry.com started where it was like if you wanted avalanche related snow safety related gear and you didn't live in a mountain town you couldn't get it that yeah. was the original idea behind it. it was like you keep you know a lot of these things it wasn't they were coming in like amazon they were coming in because they saw a need they couldn't get these things that they wanted to and then i would say the boom in in outdoor specialty retail was probably the the 70s 80s and 90s you know the 70s late 60s and early 70s we saw this whole back to nature thing and then the rise of brands like the north face and the creation of patagonia and then you started to see independent retailers coming in and so we had a few decades where um i think that rei wasn't the big box thing that it is now mm -hmm. and the retail wasn't quite the recreational therapy experience that it <laughs> totally. is that it is now and um, the best specialty retailers were cultural gathering places. You know, yeah. they were places where you would go and you would you would connect with like-minded people. And um, and I wonder if if that I don't know that that's still valid anymore. I, I definitely don't have that experience with an REI. So I like I've um, I've written a lot about this with surf shops uh, when I was a surfer, and I wrote a big feature where I called and talked to surf shop owners all over the country, mostly in California, but all over the country too. This is probably like 2015, um, and online retail was really late into the surf space, uh, partially because it's it's not super fun to buy a board online. Um, and like wetsuits, whatever they all, they all kind of fit, but for the most part, like the board is the anchor and it's pretty difficult to, to buy one online. E like, even if, 
even if you're comfortable doing it, it's not super easy. Most surf like labels have terrible websites. Um, it's often easier just to call and say, I'd like you to make me one that looks like this, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that, is that online retail was late to the surf scene. But when I talked to these shop owners in like 2015, none of them were really that concerned about online retail. So their, and their stance was essentially, look, we're, we're operating as like a third, a third place, you know, um, which if you're not familiar with that term, you know, you have your work, you have your home. And then the third place is what, like a pub or a club or somewhere you can hang out and, and kind of socialize with people that have interest, like, like, you know, like you do. And I thought that was great. And I agreed with that for the most part, like, um, in the Bay area, we have a few like anchor point surf shops that are just really pleasant to be in. And, um, I don't buy things at them often, but I will always go inside and you'll chat with the guys about what the waves have been like. Did you see this new movie? Like all the kind of stuff that you would want to have happen is a little social scene. Um, what I are they? Do, Mollusk is probably one Mollusk of them, right? Mollusk is one, and then Proof Lab, which Proof is here Lab. in Marin County. Right. Which is Proof Lab is probably the best surf shop I've ever been to, which is weird because it's it's not really anywhere near good waves. Uh, but they have an amazing selection of, of surfboards, like really well curated. But they have they have like a giant skate ramp in the back. They um they host uh, skate parties for kids. They host big surf camps there where everybody meets up and goes out to the beach. They do um they have a boutique that I don't know. Do they still sell AJ at the boutique? I don't think so. They stocked AJ for a while. They, um, they have a pretty cool boutique where you can get yeah, get on them. Note, um, note, note to self. Hello, <laughs> Proof Lab. Knock knock. Uh, and it's it's an awesome place. Like you like it's just it's just fun to be there. And they um you know they can get you prepared for like anything you'd possibly want to do. And they're happy to do it. And you get to have a fun little conversation about what you want. So my thinking back then was okay. Well, here's the success. Like here's the recipe for success for surf shops going forward is you just sort of really like double down on being a third place, you know, have a, have espresso, have art openings, have music, and they all do this. Um, and so there's a reason for you to go there and to check in and you feel like you want to buy stuff there, even if you have the opportunity to buy stuff elsewhere. Um, and like the example I always use is you can buy surf wax on Amazon for pretty cheap, big boxes of surf wax. I will never in my life do that. I will always go to the surf shop to buy surf wax. Every single time. I, it doesn't help their bottom line that much. It's a couple bu- bucks a bar, but a great example of something where I go out of my way to, to, to support something that I believe in. I don't feel that way about REI. I love going in there, but I don't think it would ever function as a third place to me. I don't really particularly want to get into conversations with people that work there for one reason or the other. I, I, I never feel like inspired talking to them. Could just be my local one. It's just how it is. You know, I would never take my bike to REI. I would never have my bike worked on. I wouldn't buy a bike from REI. There's just things I wouldn't think of it for. Um, so it doesn't. Right. It, it doesn't feel like I like I would expect a, a specialty retailer at this point to absolutely um, in, embrace that sort of aspect. Like, let's be a third place for people. But right. You know. Well, I, I think this speaks to to expectations and to desires and into a romanticizing of retail. And, um, obviously, you know, a- Apple is, you know, one of the pinnacles of a, you know, a retail, a positive retail experience, I suppose. But, um, unless you're a fanboy, I don't think you necessarily feel romantic about that, but the, the emotional connection that we have to our outdoor experiences to adventure and skiing and hiking and all that sort of stuff it that that there's that almost identity component to it and so i think that we i'm speculating that we bring different expectations to what we want from right. retail right and so this 
this REI versus independent retail is a it's a it's a trope. It, it's an old dichotomous way of looking at the world that it's easy mm-hmm. to look at it that way. I, I think when you start to examine it, this either or kind of breaks down. I think it's it's a you know it's a both. It's a yes and, but mm-hmm. it's really interesting to to unpack it. And our friend Colin True from Rock Fight Podcast just did an episode about. REI and versus independent retail. And he, I think is, is, is he was a rep for a long time. He's biased toward independent retail. Um, he feels, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and put words in his mouth. I mean, he feels, I think he feels more warm and fuzzy about independent retail in a way mm-hmm. that he doesn't with REI. And Colin, if you disagree, then leave me a voicemail and we'll run it. Dang it. Um, so I, I think, especially in in mountain towns and maybe mountain towns, traditionally mountain towns, but maybe a better way of putting it is um, adventure mecca towns. Yeah, you know? sure. Adventure sure. mecca towns where where you have these shops that are emblematic and iconic of that experience. And and as you said, when you go into REI and you feel connected to your desire for camping. Right. It's it's the it's the same kind of thing, and I, I I do think there's an element of credibility and legitimacy that's lying in elitism that lies underneath this, that we have this expectation that we're going to get our best service, and our our most thoughtful service, and um, our most credible legitimate service from somebody who's living the dream, right, in one of those adventure meccas, and working at a shop. So they have some flexible hours and they get the pro deal and all that sort of stuff. And the people at REI aren't going to be those people. And I, I frankly think that's bullshit. But if, I, I think that it – because I, I know people who work for REI who are as – Totally. If you want to you know, use these words, credible and legitimate as anybody else. If I, I had to get a retail job tomorrow, I would go to REI first. Like there's no there's no question. That's where I'd go. Well, you might be unless we sell a few more subscriptions. So, hey, <laughs> yeah, right. well, adventure-journal.com. Hey, please, please, dear God. <laughs> no, but, I mean, like, I, I, so you're totally right about that. I mean, just because it's Joe Schmo's, you know, mountain boot shop doesn't mean that they're going to be. I mean, on, honestly, those independent shops uh, can be really intimidating. Like, even if you are someone like you and me who live and breathe this sort of thing, like, I'm, I'll go into any of them, but like, I, I, there'd be a little like, oh, I hope I don't say the wrong. Thing. I hope I don't ask like the, you know, the, 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 the question, you know, or something like that. Whereas REI, that's something that they do so, so good. Uh, they're so good at that. Like everybody is welcome. Like you could walk into REI having never left the house, and you're not going to feel like you're out of your element. Like they'll, they'll help you out. You know, like they're pretty tailored to kind of the newcomer. So that's that's cool. I mean, the outdoor, the independent shop. Yeah, I've definitely been in some where there's a pretty like surly looking person behind the counter who'd probably rather not be talking to you. So that can happen. Yeah, I mean, nobody asked me for my opinion. I'm I'm well of there, well aware of that. So if, you know, an independent specialty retailer owner, um, you know, they're they're fighting their own fights. They have their yeah. own challenges. I'm I haven't worked in retail in decades. I'm really sympathetic. I'm a small business owner, so I understand how difficult that is. How difficult um, any kind of business is in in the new dynamic online world. I'm sympathetic to the challenges of REI and to what they have, and so I think where I'm coming from as a critic, I'm coming 
from the perspective of somebody who loves, I really do love what REI does. And I also love what independent retail does. And I think that my criticism is, is more of a hunger for, I want better, better yeah. from my perspective of better, not from their perspective, better, but for what I would like to see in them. So I'm really coming from a place of affection for both of these. Totally. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I walked into the REI and I'm like, I'm so happy it's there. And at the same time, I just think the REI, maybe it's not their mission, but I think that they could be more of a third place. And I think that they could be more curatorial with what they do. And they could be, you know, one of the, one of the really interesting things that's going on right now with Barnes and Noble is I, I, I did Barnes and Noble get bought by water? Is it Waterstones in the UK or did they water? Did they hire the Waterstones, the guy that turned Waterstones around? I forget. Don't know. But basically one of the people, the guy who was behind this big turnaround of the UK's big bookstore chain is either an owner or CEO or something to do with Barnes and Noble. And he's taking the same approach with Barnes and Noble and Barnes and Noble, funny enough, um, now at the 25th anniversary of you've got mail when Barnes and Noble was like the big villain in the book selling space, Barnes and Noble is actually more of a savior of books now. And one of the reasons is because what this guy, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but the local Barnes and Noble staff is being empowered to create those Barnes and Nobles to cater to the local market and to the specific needs of the buyers in the local market. And I think that that's one of the things that is so far from what I'm seeing in REIs is is lacking in REIs. It's that it's the one size fits all. And so one of the things that I absolutely love about retail is that sense of discovery of going in and finding brands that I've never heard of finding a product that I've never heard of. And I mean, I've been doing this for four decades. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, you know, like it, it takes something for me to go into a place and see something new, but like, that's the job of a good curatorial buyer mm-hmm. for independent retail is to like that, that element of discovery and joy of finding something like that independent brand band that you find for the first time. Like that's, yep. that's, that's magic. And, and I think that that is, it's, it's missing from most REIs I go into. And I think that that's one thing that specialty retail has traditionally done really well and, and can do really well. Interestingly enough, there's a, uh, there was a Barnes & Noble like a few doors down in the shopping center from where the REI is. It closed. And it, I, I worked at Barnes & Noble for many years, by the way. So I have a soft spot for Barnes & Noble. But um, anyway, but uh, this was a big standard, big Barnes & Noble with a Starbucks cafe, uh, cafe in it just like every other Barnes & Noble you've ever been to. It closed maybe a year ago, two years ago, um, and some huge furniture stores going in there instead. Oddly enough, just a couple days ago, I, I, I decided I wanted to get this particular book, and the library didn't have it. None of the local bookstores around here had it. And I, when I was searching, it said Barnes & Noble in Corte Madera had it. I'm like, well, that's weird. It, it's gone. But it had the hours for the Barnes & Noble, so I went down there. Sure enough, there's a tiny Barnes & Noble now, like a few doors down from where the big one was. And it's exactly what you just described. It's pretty small. It feels exactly like the independent bookstore is just down the street from me. And like, there's a lot of local books, like a lot of, it's very curated, um, without the cafe in it, there's not a bunch of just people just kind of lurking, which is fine, but it's just, it's like, there's people here to buy books and they didn't have a bunch of like stationery. They didn't have games. They didn't have music. It was just a very small bookstore. Loved it. And, and if that's something that like a big box store can, you know, learn to do, that would be awesome. I mean, like, why couldn't an REI be, you know, a third of the size, like, it could easily be and, and be a bit more catered toward the local scene or something like that. I, I actually thinking when you mentioned that I'm sure REIs kind of are that way in some extent, like mine don't have ski stuff. 
But I presume if you go to an REI in Denver, it's probably loaded with skis. I would think, you know, but right. you can't get skis at ours. Well, I think REI's mission is is different. I mean, it is trying to cover a lot of things in big. I mean, books are book size, <laughs> and yeah, true, and a cargo yeah, box true. is cargo box size. So, true. so there there is that issue. But, but I I agree with you. I mean, I went to um, I was in Vegas a year or two ago. Oh, I know. I was I was going to. Um, Valley of Fire State Park and doing some exploring in, you know, kind of that area. And I, I mean, one of the things, the things that I like to do when I go to a new town or to a town where I'm going to have adventures, I want to check out the local shops. Right. And so I went to the RE, the local REI there and I wanted to find, there was something art related I wanted to find. I don't know if it was a new sketchbook and man, Vegas was a wasteland for art supplies and wasteland for like the I'm REI actually, I'm was I'm surprised like, to hear that. I know, right? And, you know, maybe it was just, it was the north side of town, which I thought it would be easier to find. And everything's so far off the freeway and Vegas is so built up now that it just, and there's so much congestion and traffic, like it just takes forever to get anywhere. But I finally made it out to the REI because I really wanted to buy, uh, you know, I didn't want to download it on my phone. I wanted to buy the seven and a half minute map. I wanted mm-hmm. to buy the quad of yeah. the area that I was going and I wanted to buy it from the local shop. They didn't carry quads. They had, wow. they, they, they didn't have any, they had like, you know, the grand Canyon fold out right. map or the national geographic right. s- series. You know, they had hardly anything. Huh. I was so disappointed. It was like 45 minutes off the freeway to go to REI. And I could have called them and said, Hey, do you have these things? And then I went to a climbing shop. There was a climbing shop because it was out near red rocks, which is, you know, a climbing Mecca. <laughs> they didn't have any maps. Whoa, that's like, weird. What, what is the world coming to? We- that, that's weird. Uh, mine does. Like that's that's one of the things that I'll get at my REI is maps. There's only nowhere else, nowhere else around here I can get them, but they do. That spoke to me of you know either a store that has like no real connection to how people really right. are adventuring. Or a store that has a great connection and people don't want maps. <laughs> How would you know the difference? <laughs> right? I, I, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I don't know. You know, I, it was it was weird. You know, um, I'm sure they did. They probably did. Like, why wouldn't they have at one point? People didn't buy them. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's why. So, that, I mean, that, that's the other thing with these sorts of discussions. It's like a lot of it's just like, what, what you know, what what is Stephen and Justin like? You know, and it's like if it's not Ari, I can't just cater to that. You know, like they why not. <laughs> yeah, I, but it, you know, like it's you go in, you're like, I, I want, I want this quadrangle because, damn it, I like to draw on them, or maybe like I like to frame my old ones. You know, like there's all kinds of reasons you'd want a paper map, or I just don't trust my phone, or whatever. But maybe that, maybe we're one percent. You know, like well, I, you know. yeah. So so let's uh, dive into a few stats about REI because. Like here, here's why REI shouldn't cater to Stephen and Justin because we're old, and yeah. in you know we're traditional outdoor buyers, and REI really wants and needs to reach out to new people um, because REI does not reflect um, the diversity of the women. And, um, you know, Adventure Journal doesn't reflect that diversity well, enough. We and we, and we I would don't. say REI, REI does, a, does a pretty good job now, but we Well, don't. let me talk about <laughs> that in a second. But yeah, and I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's a world that we live. Side note, I mean, this is something that Justin and I have talked about a lot. We're two older white dudes. And, you know, the, the our country is, you know, the patriarchy has been you know, dominated by old white dudes for the worse in a lot of ways. And so, but we can't change who we are. I mean, I can't be younger and I can't be less white. I mean, it's just, it's who we are. Definitely, so you I definitely think, could not be any less white. 
So uh, yeah, I think that we have to do we we do our best to um, to broaden. And you know, one of the things actually that we've been working on is as we're looking at 2024 for AJ's um, editorial, especially around print, is diversifying that and finding ways to get new people and new ideas in that. It's something that we're actively working on because we we recognize the the lack of diversity in the outdoor space. And um, and not doing it for an affirmative action kind of standpoint, but because the more d- diversity of views that you have, the more interesting ideas that you have and the more different perspectives you have. And I think that's key. Mm-hmm. And that's something that REI is recognizing. So in April of 2023, um, a dude named Chris Spire, who is the senior VP and chief merchandising officer at REI, spoke at the Sea Otter Classic, which is like the big kickoff bike race sort of starts the competitive season in bike racing. And and he gave a presentation and he talked about some of the challenges that REI is facing. And um, one of them is, you know, an old customer base. So they have now 23, 23 million members wow. um, as this is a, as of 2022. Wow. And it that's, was, that's shockingly big to me. I, 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 that's like by a factor of, that's a lot. I that's a lot, was right? Close to that. Yeah. Well, they gained from 2021 to 2022, they gained 1.3 million members, 1.3 million. Um, but 29%, only 29% of those members are under 40. <laughs> so 71% of them are 40 and over. And <laughs> yeah, that's when people are generally in their peak spending years, but that's not who advertisers and brands want to reach. They want to reach young right. people earlier in the game. They don't really care about you and me at this point. They want to reach younger people. So the fact that REI only that less than a third of their members are under 40 is, is, is a problem for them. So, um, hmm. and then when you start to look at their diversity, um, you know, it's, it's even worse. So um, they have, um, let's see the, yeah, 15% of their membership, only 15% of their membership is non-white. Hmm. And they want it to be 30%. I mean, I don't know why it shouldn't match the de- demographics right. of the country, but whatever. I mean, that's you know, doubling is hard. Um, 4% of the products are from diverse-owned brands. Hmm. Hmm. And they want to raise that to 10%. Now, I mean, there's some systemic issues at play, right? Like people, black and brown people, BIPOC people have not traditionally been spoken to by the outdoor space. Um, there's different cultural traditions. There's, there are systemic biases. So, you know, there's, there are a lot of things that are stacked against diverse owned brands, but I think that those things are starting to change and, and hopefully will change even more. And hopefully when you go into REI, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to see it reflect more the the diversity of our culture more broadly. I, I, I would say that I've, I, that's, th- those changes are usually really slow. I definitely feel like I've, I've seen, I've like been aware of that change happening to where when I go into an REI, the marketing materials, the people that work there to a certain degree, like it, it looks different than it did 10 years ago. It's definitely less white than it was like 10 years ago. Like no question about it. A lot of it too is, is mark, the marketing materials. Like they still do classes and stuff like that. And like, you know, now when I'm seeing 
ads for their classes for their backcountry awareness or wilderness survival classes all these sorts of things like it's not usually a, just a cast of like white faces it's a pretty diverse group on their marketing materials like you can see the change i think right well and just before we go to a break i just want to touch on just how how big this 800 pound gorilla is so in 2022 rei generated just under 4 billion in sales 3.85 billion in 2021, it generated 3.74 billion, um, which is hmm. massive. However, in 2022, it lost 165 million dollars on that four huh. billion. So it's, yeah, it's it's beastly. Um, it has a hundred and well, the last numbers I looked at it around 180 stores. So, yeah, it's it's ginormous. Um, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to let's shift and talk a bit more about independent retail and uh, what we love and what we don't love about independent retail and then how we think that is changing. Okay, we will be right back. You love adventure, we love adventure, and that is why we created Adventure Journal in print. It is the gift that we've made for ourselves and for our friends and hopefully for you that is analog, that gets away from screens, that gives you some of the most interesting, deepest and thoughtful stories from some of the best writers and photographers working in the outdoor space. We do four a year. You get free shipping and a deep discount. It's 60 bucks to have this absolutely beautiful, no batteries necessary celebration of adventure in your mailbox. Get it at adventure-journal.com. I am drinking, it's gotten cold now because we're halfway through the show. I am drinking Long Weekend Coffee. We launched Long Weekend Coffee earlier this year to bring you and us blends that are not fussy, that will take any kind of brew method that we like, whether it's at home, in a cabin, on the tailgate of a truck, doesn't matter. We have four blends. We have dark, medium, espresso roast, and a decaf. I think they're pretty amazing. I guarantee you will like them. Check us out at longweekend.coffee. Welcome back from those important messages from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, I have really one request, which is that if you love adventure and if you are listening to this podcast, you love adventure and you have the financial wherewithal to subscribe to AJ and Prince that you should. It is our, that's where we make our money, frankly, is that's where we get our revenue. It, the podcast is free. The stuff we put on YouTube is free. You know, we don't really have advertising on our website. You know, we put so much of our energy goes into creating what we think is a world-class outdoor magazine that celebrates people and places and things that matter to the outdoor culture. You can only get that stuff in print. So I guess I'm just now I've hit you up with third ad, but that's <laughs> it's my podcast. It's our podcast. We're gonna, <laughs> no, really. I mean, we are so passionate about what we do with AJ and print and hopefully it comes through that we are really passionate about adventure and, and about sharing it. And, you know, adventure changed my life. And um, I feel, I don't really like the word, but I feel very much an evangelist for it. And so as I mentioned earlier in this episode, when I'm talking about retailers, I mean, it's really coming from a, for the most part, a, a, a place of affection. You know, I, I love, I love retail and it's not about the stuff. I mean, it's, it's about this collection of things that are created for us to have more adventures. Mm -hmm. 
You know, what's not to, to love to, about that? Yeah, it's like going into a toy shop. It's a toy shop for adults. It I mean, is it totally really a toy is. shop. Yeah, it's adult toys. <laughs> hey, that's so, what REI needs. There you go. It's, just that's a what little adult toys uh, section. Now, now selling adult toys. <laughs> just a little curtain that you have to peek through. What's in there? And you go in the back, and it's like <laughs> backpacks. <laughs> yeah, the sexiest backpacks of 2024. Yes, uh, that would be fun. Sorry, only Cotopaxis behind the curtain. It's too, <laughs> it's too flashy really for the front. Yeah. Um, now I forgot. Oh no, I was going to say so. You know, when I was uh, in my teens and first fell in love with skiing, I grew, I grew up in um, Northern Virginia outside Washington, D.C., and the big ski shop was was Ski Chalet. And I I, I still remember this guy. I, I, I ended up working at Ski Chalet, actually, in the rental shop. Um, I can't remember this guy's name, but I walked in and I was, you know, that's where I rented my skis for this first time, these Olin Mark threes, and then I ended up buying the end of the season, old demos, Ola Mark fours. And, and I remember when I went in to buy my, my ski boots for the first time, my new ski boots for the first time. And I walked in and this guy looks down on my feet. He goes, what are you about size nine? I'm like, how did he know that? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like, why? I, I mean, this was a long time ago. Like, and I still remember that day. I'm like, how did he know that? He goes, you look like you have a low volume foot. I have my shoes on. He goes, look, like I have a really low volume foot. I think you begin in Langs. I'm like, he nailed it. And I still like I tend to ski mostly in Langs because it not from any sense of loyalty, but because traditionally they've served a low volume foot better than some of the other brands and I felt comfortable in them. Like, That's this, awesome. This guy's like he's a sorcerer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that was one of my <clears throat> early windows into, you know, a, an experienced shop person and and you know what they what they could um how they could enable your experience for the for the better I, I i have to i have to i have to tell mine really quick since you told yeah. yours so i i mean i've written about it on aj but um it's it's wild how that memory like that's very clearly a very vivid memory for you and mine is the same you know like i i had just gotten hired on to be an archaeologist for like four months in uh king's canyon slash sequoia national park uh way up in the high country the whole time way way back there and I, you know, at this point, I'd, I think I'd already gone, I'd already gone backpacking and stuff, but I wasn't pre- really prepared for this. And so I went into Granite Stairway Mountaineering, which I still think is the, like the coolest name of any outdoor shop I've seen. This place was an old, like beige cinder block building with a beautiful mural of a guy in brown, like climbing a mountain. It was awesome. And it was, you know, kind of place where it was a little intimidating. It was by itself. Just a, It had a parking lot. Like you weren't going to, you weren't just randomly going by. Like you, if you went in there, you were going in there and you go in and a bell would cling. And there's a guy that looked just like Steve Irwin from Crocodile. What was his show called? I don't know, but everybody knows Steve Irwin. Yeah. Anyway, um, sit behind the counter and I kind of told him what I needed. And he just like spent like an hour with me and he picked out the backpack that I was going to use. He picked out the sleeping bag I was going to use. He sold me my first pair of Asolos. Which I kept for like twelve years. I I only recently got well, no gosh, <laughs> I'm older than I think. Probably twenty years. I only recently <laughs> got rid of them. Um, and like everything he said was like I remember thinking that whole summer when I was back there, like thank God I have this because of what this guy told me. And he knew where I was going. Like I mean, this is in San Luis Obispo, which is like five hours from Kings Canyon. And he knew the trails I was going to be on. He knew what to expect back there. It was just. Like I, it's probably honestly to this day, probably the best retail service experience I have ever had. And I went back all the time after that, um, just because like 
there'd be dudes in there and women, but people in there just hanging out, talking about where they'd been. Um, and once he knew me, uh, he would kind of let me into that little circle and he'd tell me about where he'd been and he wanted to know about my trip. And I have no idea what happened to that store. It closed after I moved away. I don't know where that guy is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but that I'll always remember that. And I'll always have a soft spot for places like that because of how like dialed that guy got me for that summer. Right. Yeah. That's a magical experience, isn't it? I mean, it's, and it could completely change how you feel about the outdoor space and whether you feel empowered. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I think we referenced earlier that we had this boom in, in outdoor retail in the seventies in and eighties. And I know that, um, I mean, one thing I think that is, is important, really important to acknowledge is, is how difficult of course, I'm not an owner of an outdoor, I am an owner of an outdoor business, but not an outdoor retailer. Really tough business. I mean, it's, you know, you, you've got this inventory that you're carrying, you're dependent on the weather, you're dependent on the changing tastes. And now, of course, you throw in Amazon and, you know, the internet and all that other sort of stuff. So I am so sympathetic to the challenges that, um, that those folks have to face. It's, it's, it's a tough business. And and now, of course, you know, we have direct to consumer from, I mean, I don't know a major brand that doesn't do direct mm-hmm. consumer at this point. So that is eating into it. And now you have brands like backcountry.com starting their own product and selling it to wholesale. Thanks a lot, backcountry.com. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really challenging business. On the other hand, I have also found some of those folks, certainly not all of them. I mean, there's some very progressive and and I don't understand, you know, things from their chair. So, but who've been tend to be closed minded, you know, yeah. and tend not to be open to new things. I've been on, um, I've been on press trips where there's, uh, there's retail buyers and there's shop owners and things, and they tend to be really conservative. And maybe that kind of business does kind of force some fiscal conservatism, which maybe mm-hmm. then leaches into creative conservatism. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I mean, I want to share one. It's a beef. I want to share one one story. I had a I had a friend who um, is a really passionate about AJ and print and works with independent retail and a network of independent retailers. And he paid for us to send two copies of AJ and print to this network of a hundred and some outlets, sixty plus stores, um, and basically saying, "I believe in what AJ Adventure Journal is doing. I believe in that these guys are an important voice. I believe in independent retail." In independent media, and these two should come together. Um, these guys are really thinking about the role of media and how it can help retail, and blah blah blah. And so, they paid for us to send out, you know, however many hundred magazines it was, with an introductory letter and, and just wanting to connect us to independent retailers. And when we first started, I was like, no, to, it was still no to Amazon, but like, we're not going to go be an REI. We're not going to be in traditional. I want. I yeah. really believe in independent media. Sorry, independent retail. Out of the 60-some letters we sent out, we had, we had one response. One. One. And it was Wes Allen at Sunlight Sports in Montana. And, um, and Wes is one of the more progressive, thoughtful folks who, you know, in independent specialty retail. And they do carry AJ. They continue to carry AJ. But I was really struck that, like, they people didn't even acknowledge that we yeah. sent them these things. They were so... And... You know, again, 
I'm not sitting in their in their seat, right. so I don't I don't know where things are coming from them. But I was like, to me, it spoke to a you know <clears throat> a lack of openness and you know even having a conversation. And you know from their perspective, they're like, eh, it's a magazine, you know. Right. They might my get whole, a so bunch of I'm making a couple that, bucks yeah. off it, you know. But like that wasn't really the point of the introduction. That's not really a point of what we're trying to do. We're trying to be an important voice for for the culture, and we're thinking about things culturally. And it's just. So there were a bunch of lessons I took away. One, you know, maybe these guys, these folks are closed-minded or maybe their business is just really difficult. But we've had a lot more experience from getting Adventure Journal into shops at the shops that you would call boutiques, yeah. like Proof Lab. And so, um, you know, let's talk about, let's you know, shift into talking less about REI and more about independent retail, but also into talking about like this new model or new way of thinking about our retailer, which is, um, you would, Justin and I were talking off, off mic about the boutique. Well, you tell them like, the, what's your take on the, the word boutique? Well, I mean, I, it's funny. Cause like that, that word kind of crept into, um, the vernacular of like retail. Well, it's, I mean, it's always been there, but like into a place where I'd want to go within the last like 10 years, like boutique to me was always like where like my grandma would shop, Like that was always a boutique. Emma's boutique, Annie's boutique, like small towns always had them. So the word boutique itself has been a little bit harder for me to to kind of get used to. But man, they are like right. So I live in a town of about seventy five hundred people in Marin County, pretty small town, one street downtown. There's probably four places that I would call a boutique that 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 have an, like an outdoor element to them. So places where you could get at least a little splash of something that's going to be camping oriented. And that, you know, that might be everything from like a travel mug, but like a, but like a cool one, like a fashion forward sort of travel mug to, I just bought like a super nice flannel at this new store that sells like, it's all like a, a prey stuff. So like stuff you're going to wear after skiing or surfing or whatever, but it's, it, but it's, I would like, this is outdoor apparel. Like it's legit. It's legit technical outdoor apparel made super well at a one-off boutique. It's and like so they're I mean they're popping up they're they're that's kind of I feel but that store is also awesome to go to like the other day we had a little Christmas party downtown they had hot toddies they had beers they had music like it's a place I went back because I was like oh that was fun hanging out there um, and I would go there now they have like a little area where you can sit and read books um, there's a phenomenal like wine boutique in the next town over wine and beer boutique that has like. Um, like Foster Huntington's books and, and like a little reading nook where you can get like a, like a nice beer and sit in this amazing window and read awesome outdoor books and buy them. You know, like there's, there's this like blend of different interests that you might have kind of coalescing in what I refer to now as like a boutique, these sort of these outdoor kind of boutiques. And it's a, it's a cool space. I don't think any names really apply. I mean, you know, I, I can't stand the word glamping. I just, I can't, it's just, it's an awful word, but cause I don't think being in a cabin is glamorous. It's just not sleeping on the ground maybe, but I think that it captures that element, um, of something that's different. And there's, I don't ever hear, I, I don't also really like the word bespoke. I mean, bespoke to me traditionally is, well, it's custom, right? right. It's not right. fancy. It's, it's custom. And then there's artisanal which is a cliche and easy to make yeah. fun of. Yeah. And um, I don't... A, they're just like little... I mean, boutique... I also like the word boutique because it sounds so bougie, even though these are super bougie stores. 
but they're just like curated well, you know. And but that's not that's a description. That's not really like a name. Can, I don't know. Can what we have can we have third wave outdoor? Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah, it sort of is really. I mean, kind of. First, you had to go to your your mercantile and you know, in dusty Main Street in Dodge, Kansas, and then you had your REI and your independent retail. Maybe we're on our th- because that that's that's the type of retail that I see that I get really excited about, and and I I I know I just threw you know some independent retailers under the bus. But I, I again, I, I just I want to say I know that business is hard. And I know you probably are, you know, it costs you money to buy things and stock them. And so you're probably less willing to take risk. But what I see in this, these new retailers is more of a willingness to try things. And I think that this speaks to, I know this speaks to a change in the outdoor culture, which has traditionally been about Acme experiences, you know, getting to the top of the mountain, you know, sort of the specialized model of like fast over innovator die. And it's just getting more more relaxed and a lot more, mm-hmm. I think, realistic. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think of the retailers that I'm excited about, and it's not like I'm not excited about traditional old school retailers like I don't know Neptune Mountaineering in mm-hmm. in Boulder or Elephants Perch in in Ketchum Idaho. I mean, I, I love shops like That's that. Cool, but man. we have. Um, Actually, the kind of one of the coolest shops in in Orange County is um, called Seed People's Market, and it's there's in Costa Mesa. There's two retail malls basically across the street from one another. One's called the Lab Anti Mall, and there's an Urban Outfitters, and there's a Buffalo Exchange, and there's a couple of cool vegan restaurants, and there's a coffee place, and there's a sneaker place, and it's more of an urban. Yeah. Mallish kind of thing, but it's all outdoor. Um, super hip, super cool. And then across the street is what's called the camp, and that's where Seed People's Market is. And um, and I don't know if it's they're they're a big Patagonia retailer. I don't mm-hmm. know if Patagonia has a piece of it or not. Um, Patagonia is extremely well represented, but you see, you know, they have they have Rourke, and yeah. if they don't have Adderknown, they probably should. They probably have Filson. They have Filson. Mm-hmm. They have Danner. Um, they have Cedar Summit, um, and that's actually a place that I go to discover brands, like they because they mm-hmm. they will bring in these small and and local brands, like a leatherworking brand, um, and they they don't have hard goods. You know, you're not going to buy a tent there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to buy a, probably a technical backpack there, but um, but pretty much everything else. And then they have another side that is more what you would think of as traditional boutique, where they have jewelry they'll have um you know they have journals and things like that they have kids stuff upstairs they kind of have housewares they they have used things like used housewares you know it's a really it's a very dynamic place and as far as events the camp area this sort of outdoor mallish area they will have events i don't know that seed actually has its own events well they do actually one of brendan leonard's um brendan was there for a book signing and we went and um uh, so they they do stuff there occasionally, but what I guess what I like about it is that you I go in and I kind of I recognize myself both who I am now in Patagonia, right? Like the Black Hole Duffel, the new Black Hole Duffel that we just reviewed that you can go see our review on on YouTube 
I'll go in there and I'll see a black old duffel. And maybe I'll see a new colorway that I didn't know was there. I'm like, oh, that's me. I recognize myself. But then I'll go over to these other areas and there will be a new shoe brand. And so there is that joy of discovery. And it's also maybe sort of that asp- a little bit of that aspirational yeah. element. Like, okay, well, you know, maybe I don't want to look my age. So I want something that's a little bit younger. Yeah. Well, these guys, like they have this new colorway from Rourke or whatever. And that's where I think that these boutique or third wave or whatever we want to call them, that's where I think that they're excelling this openness to be more a curatorial of new brands and expose the aspirational thing is big. Like that's like, that's that I hadn't really thought of that because I mean like a dirt bag shop, which is kind of the way I'm thinking of the older school ones, right? Even if they're not like whatever negative association might have a dirt bag. Like I'm thinking of these older school mountaineering shops as like a dirt bag shop. Like they're aspirational in a completely different way, right? Like you could go in there, talk yourself into, into getting into some pretty big adventures or something like that. You could, you know, you know that people are probably in here buying some stuff to go to places that would scare the hell out of you, right? So like that, there's some aspirational thing on that side, but maybe you know when I was sort of talking about how surf shops have done a pretty good job of surviving the online retailing onslaught, I hadn't really thought about the aspirational aspects. Like that's probably more important than like serving espresso or having like beer nights or whatever. You know what I, Like it, it's a way to, I mean, those are cool. Those are great. But I mean, like that could be an element that uh, adds to why you'd want to go into a place like this. I mean, that's a great, that's because it, it, you see like, you almost see like the camping aspect as a smaller, as, as just another part of this lifestyle that you'd like to be a part of, right? Like, they also have, probably have awesome candles and like maybe some stuff that has nothing to do with anything you're going to do with camping. Um, but it's still like, it's just a, it's a pleasant place to be in because the style is great. And you're like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to ascribe to that style. You know, there's, there's, there's something to like there. Yeah. That, that's another whole can of worms to unpack the whole idea. And we talked about that on one of our recent episodes with Cassie Abel of Wild Rye of the fashion versus function kind of thing. And how the idea that you have to look bad to do these things is <laughs> right the, totally is, is thankfully dying um mm-hmm. so so i i do still get inspired when i go to shops yeah my one of my local bike shops south county cyclery um i've known those guys for 30 plus years when i'm going to the shop i know i have to budget an hour because i know i'm going to be yeah. there talking mostly going to be listening to to, to carl power talking because he is he's an energizer buddy but like whenever i talk to him like i come away with like all these trails that i i thought i knew every trail here i don't know every mm-hmm. trail you know i i get excited and um and he gets me fired up and um so i think that's like retail at its best i i think that's probably harder to get at an rei i think you know the big box element of it's harder to make maybe connections with people those personal kind of connections but where i'm coming to with this is i think that the one of the things that has changed dramatically of the last well the internet era is that we have access to all kinds of inspirations and all kinds of things that we can aspire to whereas previously maybe you went into the shop and you saw that black diamond equipment poster and and you know you you saw there was a mountain that you'd never seen before and you and now you saw it on a poster and it was because the only way that you ever saw these things previously was you know in a shop or in person now yeah. of course it's they're all over the gram and the tiktok and you know all these other things so this is this thing that we think about with adventure journal in terms of what we put in adventure journal i think that shops have to be really cognizant of this is that so many of these things that you would get through this traditional venue a shop you can get anywhere you can get them on reddit you can get i mean you can get them all over the place and so 
we have to reinvent how like as a shop owner, as a shop customer, we have to reinvent how we think about these things. And I think that's what Barnes and Noble is they're they're yeah. starting to do that, right? They're they're reinventing and maybe they're going back to sort of that old third place coziness of an independent bookstore. But I think that we need to be really as shop owners and as shop um purveyor not purveyor but like customers we we have to think about what we want from them and um and that has that ha- it absolutely has to change and it is changing you know these places that we're referencing and i know that we're one of the things i'm really excited about in 2024 we're going to be with every issue we're going to be covering an independent shop and this is an area where especially people of of under traditionally underserved communities have the potential i think to create and connect with new communities yeah. or to rally i mean one of the I, I we don't have our full lineup but i mean one of the shops i'm excited to cover is outlandish in brooklyn black owned um you know kind of checks off a lot of these boxes that we're talking about open-minded um diverse brands really exciting and one of the things that i, I suspect a lot of us have shop fatigue where mm-hmm. we go in and we see all the same brands that we know. We may love them, but like I don't want to go in a shop and see, you know, nothing but Mountain Hardware in Patagonia. I want to see something right. from Parks Project. You know, I want to see something from Ripton. And so I think these new shops will can give us this sense of of novelty while also connecting to their unique and local community. Well, and and one thing we haven't touched on at all, and you know, this both this might really go without saying, um, and to a certain extent, you have to be in a situation to where you can afford to do this. But it's one thing to talk about what like a shop can offer the customers, or or even just a, like a, a culture, right? Like the, a culture of a certain outdoor pursuit in a certain area, like they can offer this culture or something. But I mean, it's also up to us to support these places, and you know, like. I get a big thrill out of buying something from a local shop, from a local independent shop. Maybe not a big thrill, but I, I, I feel good about doing that. I mean, the one thing about REI, if I, you know, we're going to Yosemite in six days, um, I probably have everything I need. If I have forgotten something, I'll go to REI, I'll buy it. I won't think, it'll it'll be purely transactional. I won't really think much of it. I needed this, now I have it. That's That'll be the entire thought process. Whereas like when I bought this flannel from the store down the street the other day, like, I'm stoked that I supported them. Like I've already had a couple people say, that's a great shirt. Where'd you get it? Oh, this place. You should check it out. It's awesome. You know, and like small town vibes. Like I want to support that. This town is famous for not Fairfax. It doesn't have any chain stores of any kind. Right. And like, that's not easy to do in, in 2024 now almost. Um, and you know, like that to me is worth that that's worth preserving. And so, you know, that's something else that is, probably worth talking about is that for the most part you're probably gonna you know not always but you probably you might pay a little bit more i mean it feels like prices have kind of like stabilized amongst between like a lot of unless they're on sale like something is msrp at rei it's gonna be msrp at at fancy boutique down the street but um you know i just feel like that is something that i'm everybody knows but like you know support these places like if they mean something to you um, or even if just the concept means something to you, like that's worth that's worth a few extra bucks in my opinion. Or waiting longer, you know. What I mean, like I can you can get anything you want online tomorrow, but like maybe it's worth ordering it from your local store. You know, like oh we don't have it, we can get it in a week. You know, like great, okay. You know, like I I just I feel like that's that's it's it's it, again it kind of goes without saying, but 
you you know if these things matter to you it's worth supporting them it's worth going a little bit extra um because it feels good to, it feels good to shop in them it feels good to be in them i'm gonna put it back on the shops yes i agree with what you say but i'm also putting gonna put it back on the shops is like you have to be a place that right. makes it feel well, that, I, easy. that someone cares about well that makes it easy for me to have a relationship with you yeah ideally personally with you know the person who owns the shop or runs the shop or works on the shop floor but also that is welcoming and if i have a relationship with you not just because you have goo packets and I can run down and get goo packets, <laughs> right, right? Which I can get anywhere, but that I could go and I can connect with you, and I feel better putting a few of my dollars in your pocket because of what you've given to the community. And so I, I think that, and everybody has to reinterpret this in their own way, whether it's movie nights or shop rides or or whatever. But I think that. It's the shops that are reinventing the experience and thinking of themselves as a cultural and community resource. And the best shops have always done that. And I mean, even these traditional independent retailers that we're talking about yeah. have, have always done that. So, but I think as it clearly as the world is changing where we have this flattening and the ability to get whatever we want yesterday at a discount, then what takes its place? Well, what takes its place is what everybody is hungering for which is connection and community. Right. And maybe you shouldn't be getting that from, from products. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but that's, you know, but that's, I don't know. You know, else. I mean, this is just, a, it's just one anecdote. It's not really a data point, but my friend Ben, um, started the coast film festival here in South Orange County in Laguna beach. And one of the reasons that he started it, it was something that we've talked about since we worked together at Powder many, many years ago, which is there there aren't places in Orange County, even there are millions of people who are diehard adventurers here, or hundreds of thousands, I don't know what the number is, but there's lots and lots of people who are super passionate that there has never been a one of these sort of general outdoor places for people to come together. There are surf shops, there are bike shops, there are right. ski but shops. The general thing, yeah. but that kind of general thing, which is always going to be a challenge for a title like Adventure Journal or somebody has, has like general outdoor shop above their door, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like a hardcore specific place. And I think that he's been very successful with it. And he, you know, people have come from all over the country for this. And we, you know, Jeremy Jones was here this year, Obi Kaufman, all kinds of really fun, cool people. They partner with Hobie, which is a is a chain mm-hmm. here in South Orange County, but one of the original surf shops that continues to do a fantastic job. And they're increasingly partnering with Rivian, which bought the old historical theater in downtown Laguna, which is also now starting to do events. And I, I, I just I bring this up because I've been to two events at Rivian already, and I'm going to another one next week. They're showing um, it's a film about soil and farming. It's called Common Ground. And Rivian bought this theater, restored it. It's a National Historical Landmark. They also created a little shop where you can buy almond surfboards. And they opened a coffee place that's, um, I think it's, it's Equator. Is that right? Equator. It's yeah, a the, woman yeah. owned from Santa Marin. Cruz, I think. Oh, are they in Santa Cruz? I, I think they're, they're in Santa Marin. Cruz. Yeah. NorCal somewhere, Central Cal. Pretty sure, I think they're actually in Marin. I think they're based here. Okay. Um, but the, you know, you go in the, there's this just little tiny little retail space and they've got Rivian swag and whatnot, but that they've, you know, they've curated a few other things 
And I actually, I bought a little book from Almond about um, like a cool. guide to longboards and stuff like that. Cool. Not, not that I need it, but I wanted to buy something there. Yeah. I like the smaller, I like the size of it. And I'm thinking maybe we should do little books like this. I don't know. But like, I felt really connected to what Rivian is trying to do there and kind of the sense of community. And so you have, it's like you have to build it before they will come. You know, I think right. there are, there is a hunger um I suspect there's a hunger on the part of anybody who's listening to this podcast who wants that kind of experience of stores. And maybe they have that at their local retailer. If, if they're fantastic. But I think that I know that we all want community and we all want connection. And that I think that that is a place where retailers can do that because we can get the stuff anywhere, you know, yeah. but totally. only you with your unique perspective on the outdoor culture can give us your version of that to be drawn to. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I like that. So, well, maybe that's a place that we should wrap up then. Mm -hmm, probably. So, thank you all so much. I really appreciate listening. Your most valuable thing is your time. So, thank you. Your second most valuable thing probably is your money. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, pitch. If you love adventure, you will love Adventure Journal in print. It is adventure-journal.com. Uh, the usual things apply. Please subscribe. Please, please leave us a rating. And, you know, maybe most important of all these things, we really do want to hear from mm -hmm. you and your take on what we're talking about, not on the, what we said, but maybe on independent retail, on REI. Totally. Uh, we don't have a set time frame that we're looking, but I would love to do reader, listener feedback episodes, you know, a couple times a month, I mean, and, and get more voices on there. So you can send us a voicemail to mail at adventure-journal.com. If, you, if your local outdoor shop doesn't have any kind of uh, third place feel to it, if you don't feel like that community exists like in person, we can, that's us, you know, like, like talk to us, tell us, tell us what's going on. Like, I think that'd be great. I mean, like there's no reason that we can't be a digital third place. For that sort well, of thing. yeah. And, and also I thought you were going to say, but if you want to give a shout out to places you would love, let us know, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we can put them in the show notes. Actually, and, that'd be great. Cause we're going to be covering them in print. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. We would love to hear it. All right. You've heard enough of us for today. <laughs> Thank you over and out. <laughs>